0: Well, before we, uh, before we get to the message this morning, I'm going to have uh, Erica come up. Erica Snyder's here this morning. Come on up, Erica. Yay. <laughs> Do you mind using this right here? Is that okay? Some of you uh, have never met Erica. You don't know Erica. Erica's been um, gone for a year and, and is with us this morning, so we're excited about that. So maybe you just tell people where you've been for the last year and let them know what's been going on there.
1: I have been in Mozambique for the last year teaching missionary kids, and if you don't know where Mozambique is, it's right above South Africa on the East Coast, and um, I've been in a city called Nampula and teaching there, the mission community, they have a school on their center, Um, it's actually Whitcliffe Bible Translators, they have a center, so I've been teaching there, and I'm with MAF, which is Mission Aviation Fellowship, so and nice. Cornerstone sent me up?
0: Yes, so Erica is, is one of the missionaries that we, we support. Um, after the service today, just to let you know, if, 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 this may be a surprise if you weren't here last week or the week before, we're going to have a, a potluck afterwards. If, if you came and didn't know that, you're still invited. Please, 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 please stay. Yes, we would love for you to be here, okay? And so there's always plenty of food, and, and uh, the fellowship is wonderful. And So please um, plan on staying. But maybe would you want to just share, um, you'll get to share more at the, the potluck, But maybe just one, like, short um, story that was just wonderful from there.
1: Um, I was thinking about this. And I'll just tell one about church because we're in church. Um, It was one of the first times I went to the church I'm going to now. It's called um, Evangelica Paz de Cristo, which is, like, it's an evangelical church, Peace of Christ. And the pastor asked me to pray. So... I was praying, obviously, in English. I don't know Portuguese that well. And I was praying, and I was in the middle of a sentence, and I said, um, he thought I said amen, and the whole congregation said amen. And then they, he, they all, like, lifted up their heads, and I was, like, laughing. And my translator was, like, laughing, too, because he's the only one that knew what happened. It's so. awesome. It's
0: awesome. Yeah. Let me, can I pray with you real yes. quick? Let me pray for you, okay? Uh, let me just share with you um i'm excited about the potluck because it's it, the, the whole purpose of us to meet our missionaries and, and kind of hear what's going on you get to get a talk with the ronyaks as well um but erica and not to embarrass you i'm not trying to but erica is just this beam of light i mean she's just wonderful and i really want you to fellowship with her she will be contagious to you and that's a good good thing and so uh can i pray for you and then we'll kind of move on with this all right father thank you so much thank you so much for Erica, uh, thank you for what you have been doing this last year in her heart and through her life we 're just grateful that we could be a part of it from so many miles away and from hearing stories and praying for her and and giving to her Lord we just we want you to be glorified. We want your name to go to the ends of the earth and God, I thank you for her heart that would go and, and, and teach these missionary children there so that their parents can focus more on what you've called them to do as well, Lord. We praise you for that. We pray, God, that as she returns back, uh, Lord, that you would just continue to bless, that you would amaze her, amaze us with the work that you do through her, God. Lord, I pray for uh, even the time with her and with the Raniacs, uh during the potluck, Lord. God, that you would just move and work and, Lord, use them to to just encourage the hearts of others to missions and to pray more and to give more, Lord, and to do more for your kingdom because of you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, Erica. All right, if you will uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 2. As you're turning there, I want to... I Relay a story that I came across twice this last week in studying for this this passage. Uh, one from a sermon from John MacArthur, and one from a sermon from, uh, or one time from a sermon from uh, Chuck Swindoll, and uh, it's a, it's a good story. And so I want to pass it along. And it happened in World War II. During the time of World War II, there was uh, a breakout between these American soldiers and these Germans who were in this um, farmhouse. And they were shooting at each other, because that's what you do in war. And the the people who lived in this farmhouse obviously were afraid. And so they ran from the house into their barn and were hiding in the barn. And, and as they were huddled and fearful in the barn, you can imagine the three-year-old daughter became very frightened. And in the midst of her fright and not knowing what to do, she just took off and ran out in the middle of the field. And as she runs out in the middle of the field between these soldiers, these Americans and German soldiers that are shooting at each other the soldiers seeing her immediately ceased fire and just waited and the mom i mean you can imagine if you're a mother the terror and the fear in her she just she got up and ran into the middle of the field and and picked up her three-year-old daughter and and took her back to the safety of the barn and then the firing started up again as i heard that story as i read that story I started thinking through that passage, right, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, here's this little girl, right, who comes and, and runs out in the middle of this this fighting, and, and, and for a moment, right, for a moment, there's there's peace. But that's not the kind of peace that Jesus brings. The Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. He is peace. And so the peace that he brings is not this momentary peace like this little girl managed to bring out of just a haphazard circumstance, but he He brings eternal peace. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning from Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look this morning, uh, starting with verse 14. And we'll read through verse 18. And so if you'll stand with me, I'm going to read and just follow along. Ephesians 2, starting with verse 14. For he himself is our peace. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word. And again, we pray to you as we pray often. Open our hearts. Open our hearts. That we might behold wonderful things from your law. Teach us. God, may we glorify you through your word this morning. May we know you more through your word this morning. May we love you more because of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. <coughs> So it starts off in in verse 14. And remember, if if you were here last week, if you weren't, you can listen in. We're working our way through the book of Ephesians, so we're going verse by verse. And so if we're jumping into the midst of something, you're like, what in the world are we talking about? Um, I encourage you to go back and and listen to the podcast or go online and listen. But here we are in the midst of of chapter 2. And and, and this, this passage that we looked at last week, Paul was telling the Gentiles to remember. To remember that at one time they were separated. That they were alienated, that they were were exiles, they were outcasts, they were not a part of Israel. They were strangers to the covenant, they had no hope and they were without God. But, we finished off that in Christ Jesus, those who were far off have been brought near. And that's kind of where we pick up today. Paul says, remember that you were separated, remember that you were alienated and you've been brought near because of Christ. And the reason that that's possible is Right here at the beginning of verse 14, he himself, he is our peace. There was once hostility, there was once separateness, there was once you were alienated, there was once you were without God, there was once when you had no hope, but now you have hope because of Christ, because he is our peace. Paul says that Jesus alone is our peace. There's no other source of peace. There is no peace without Christ. Often we'll try to find peace in different ways. Often, and, and, and especially like once every four years, people will promise us peace. And sometimes we'll hear songs about peace. Give it a chance, right? Just give it a chance. Just give peace a chance. Sometimes we'll see organizations that are absolutely and completely developed for one purpose. Peace. Peace. Organizations that are, that are developed, created for peace. But all of those things, all of those promises, all of those songs, all of those organizations, they're empty. Because there's only peace in one person. One person, Christ. And, and that's what Paul's saying here. He himself, he alone, only he is our peace. Christ is our peace. What kind of peace is Paul talking about here? Remember in, in John sixteen thirty three, where where um, Jesus is speaking, he says, These things I've spoken to you so that in me you'll have what? Peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. So be of good cheer or take heart because I've overcome the world. So what is the peace that Jesus is talking about? What's this peace that Paul's talking about? Is it it peace from wars? No, not yet. Is it peace from sickness? Not yet. (laughs) We know that because Jesus said himself, in the world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have difficulty in the world. But I've overcome the world. And so he's not talking about Christ being this peace that once we come to know Christ, then there'll be no more war. There'll be no more sickness. No more debt. None of this. It's it's a saying that Jesus said himself, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But take heart. Because I'm your peace. I am Peace. Peace is in Christ. He is our peace. He's not just the giver of peace to us. He is our peace. Christ is peace. For he himself is our peace, Paul says, who has made us both one. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He has made us both one. One, we've talked about, last week we talked about the two groups that he's referring to, the Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles were those who were on the outside. They were far away. They were far from God. Jews were those who were near. The, the Gentiles were alienated. They were separated. They were not a part of the commonwealth of Israel. They had no hope. That's who he was talking about, was the Gentiles. But what Paul's saying here is Jesus is our peace. And he's made both one, both groups Jew, those who are near, and Gentiles, those who are far off into one. Those who are in Christ, the only identity that matters is their identity in Him. For you, you're, the only identity that matters for you is whether or not you are in Christ. There's no Gentile Christian, there's no Jewish Christian, it's just Christ. It's just Christian. It's whether or not we're in christ you remember that story in um mark chapter 7 where where jesus um encounters the gentile woman who comes to him and and is begging him to cast the demon out of her her child she has this daughter who's demon possessed and 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 she's begging jesus to, to cast this demon out. remember what jesus says to her she's a gentile anybody remember he says let the children be fed first but it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, who are the children in this, this statement that Jesus makes? Who? Israel. But who are the dogs? The Gentiles. How come people answered so much faster with the dog one? It's like <laughs> Gentiles. Right? He goes on and it shows the grace, the grace of God. And she gives this amazing answer, right? Jesus is, is 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 moved by her faith. She says, but she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She she recognized where she was at, her place at that time. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs, and Jesus commends her and heals her daughter. Now it brings up a question, right? We, we talked last week about how the Gentiles were outside. The Gentiles weren't Jewish. So could they be saved? If if Paul's saying, and the Holy Spirit is saying through him, that that they were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth, strangers to the covenants, having no hope without God, could they be saved? Could Gentiles be saved in the Old Testament? Well, recently we talked about an example of, of that, didn't we? We preached through a book in the Old Testament called what? What is it? Ruth. There's this girl who is a Gentile and she came to the Lord. She, she abandoned everything, her whole past, her gods, her everything, her family, everything, and came to the Lord. And, and it was a different circumstance around Gentiles being saved. But there are instances in the Old Testament where we see God's grace on the Gentiles. But they would become what was called a proselyte. And so if you were a Gentile male. It didn't matter your age. How old you were, whatever. If you were, if you wanted to be a proselyte, if you wanted to worship the one true God. And that's what we see in Ruth, right? Your God will be my God. Yahweh is now my God. Then you had to become a Jew. And so, guys, that meant you become a Jew. That's faith, right? I mean, that's faith. There was an evidence to that of like, yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. There's one true God. I'm going to follow you. And so I'll be circumcised because that's what I'm called to do. And so they would literally take and become a proselyte where they would go through the same rituals, sacrifices, everything. So imagine as Paul is talking here, right? Imagine this picture. Of what Paul is saying here in Ephesians, there's there's no more dog waiting for crumbs. There's no more dogs under the table hoping that crumbs fall down and they can get them. That's what Paul's saying. He's made us both one. Jesus has made both one. The dividing wall is broken down in Christ. We're now One. The Gentiles who were separated and without hope are as much a part of it as Jews. Imagine the feeling as a Gentile to, to hear that, to know that. Not just Jews nationally or Gentiles nationally, but those who have believed on Christ as their Savior and their peace. Since says the dividing wall has been broken down couple things that 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 can refer to the one thing is that there was a separation of the court of the gentiles from the rest of the temple you know the temple in jerusalem right well there was a court of the gentiles there and that was separated from the court of the temple and so between that court and the court of the israelites was a sign that read this no gentile may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Now imagine that, being a Gentile and coming to worship. And you see that sign. Maybe if you came here, right? Maybe you come here, there's a sign on that door right there. Any Westervillian. It's your own fault if you pass through this door. They were outside. They were alienated. You remember when we, when we preached through the book of Acts in Acts 20, Acts 21, where Paul was, was going to be arrested and killed because someone had wrongly accused him or people had wrongly accused him of bringing a Gentile into the Jewish area of the court. And they were going to kill him for it. Why? Because of that sign, because of that law. You couldn't, As a Gentile, you couldn't pass, pass beyond that part. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine the joy? As the Gentiles hear, there's no more wall. You're you're one. The dividing wall is gone because Christ is our peace and has broken down this dividing wall of hostility. How is it broken down? It says there, it was broken down in his flesh. Christ broke down the wall of hostility In his flesh, through his death, when Jesus died on the cross, the barrier between man and man, but first and foremost between man and God. See, there can't be reconciliation between man and man if there's not first reconciliation between man and God. And so through the death of Christ, he he took that on himself and in his flesh in the the killing of his flesh in the brutality that was done to his flesh he broke down the wall he is our peace and has made us both one another barrier between Jews and Gentiles we see in in verse 15 he's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility and that's what it was, by the way, in, in both ways. It, there was hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. We talked last week, but there was also hostility between Gentile and God. And so another way that a barrier, the barrier was, was knocked down is in verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Another barrier between Jews and Gentiles was this ceremonial law, the law of commandments and ordinances that it says here. It's the Mosaic law, and it included many commandments that were there to separate Israel from other nations as God's chosen people. It was there to demonstrate and to, and to show off the glory of God. It was there to separate them so that people would look and see my people are different. My people are set apart. My people are holy. My people live differently. My people do different things than you do. My people are holy to me, set apart for me. Jesus says in in, in Matthew 5, 17, he, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so in his, in his flesh, he lived perfectly. This law that we could never live perfectly. These laws that we could never do, he did perfectly and completely. He says, I am fulfilling the law for you. And that's why Galatians and, and Romans tells us that when we come to Christ, we're credited with what? His righteousness. Righteousness. With his righteousness. What he lived and what he did that we could never have done. We could never be righteous enough. We could never be good enough to get to heaven. And so he fulfilled the law for us. It goes on and says that the result of that is one new man in Christ. One new man in place of the two. So making peace Christ came abolished broke down the dividing wall abolished the law of commandments and ordinances so that he might create in himself one new man not Gentile Christians and here's Jewish Christians one new man in the place of two making peace making peace between God and man making peace between man and man. Look at verse 16. He's making peace and might reconcile us both to God. Might reconcile us both, both being Jews and Gentiles. Might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. That word reconcile is is this beautiful, beautiful word. It it means literally to bring from hostility to friendship, from hostility to friendship. And so Christ and his flesh and his body, as he came and fulfilled the law, and his flesh was beaten and torn, and he died on a cross to be punished. The walls broken down. Peace, he is our peace. He kills hostility and reconciles us both to God, bringing us from hostility to friendship. And the picture is not that that God has been reconciled back to men, right? It's that we have been reconciled to God. That we have been brought back to God. We're the ones who wandered away. We're the ones who sinned. We're the ones who were at fault. And Christ took it on himself to reconcile us, to bring us from hostility The friendship. Because God was satisfied with the death of His Son. That's what it says here. Through the cross. Our reconciliation together, both Jews and Gentiles, our reconciliation to God is only through Christ and His atoning death on the cross. Only through Christ and His atoning work on the cross. That He died to be punished for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins, so that we might be reconciled to God through him and through the work that he did, not a work that we can do, but the work that he did on the cross. And so it says the hostility was killed, put to death, hostility between Jew and Gentile, hostility between God and man. You imagine this picture, right? This this idea of, of, of reconciliation to God, being brought, is, is what he's saying, being brought from being an enemy to a friend of god all because of christ that at one point not just not just verses 12 and verse 12 uh not just verse 12 where we were separated alienated strangers having no hope and without god we were enemies we were enemies of god and that christ through what he did on the cross brought us from being an enemy to a friend of god All because of Christ. I mean, it's all because of of what we read towards the beginning of chapter 2, verse 4. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and, and separated and alienated, dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We were an enemy and now we're friends with God. That's amazing. It's amazing. And and just like we talked about last week, one one of the things that I'm praying for me and for you is that we just don't... Go over this, that we don't just gloss over this, that that the same joy, the same amazement, the same just the fact that they would must have been astounded at what God would have done, that the Gentiles, th- this this amazement that they must have felt. That we would feel that same thing. We, we've, we still have a ways to go to get through chapter three we have several weeks before we're done with, with chapter three. But as we get into chapter 4, 5, and 6, if we don't get chapters 1, 2, and 3, if we don't embrace and understand what we were and what Christ did for us and all that we've gained, 4, 5, and 6 is just impossible. As it calls us to practically live out the grace of God, we we won't want to do it. We won't do it unless we understand what God has done for us unless we get it that that we were dead and lost and God made us alive in Christ so my prayer is that that we rejoice that we rejoice the way that the Gentiles rejoice think about that picture again of this girl in in World War II Christ came the the Prince of Peace came and stepped into the midst of the hostility. Just like this, this little girl steps into the midst of these, these two groups fighting. Christ comes and steps into the midst of the hostility, but it's, but it's completely different. Because it's not a temporary peace that he brings. On a very s- small scale, it would be as if this little girl walked into the middle of the field and the shooting stopped. And the soldiers got up and met in the middle of the field and embraced each other and embraced the girl. And that's still a very bad illustration because Christ is so much greater. And his peace is so much truer. Again, that just would have been temporary peace. But Christ brings peace. He stepped into the world and he lived a perfect life and he's reconciled us. He's brought us from being an enemy to a friend of God and he's brought us that way forever. He's brought peace forever. You might reconcile us both to God in one body. That one body is the church. Those, everyone who is in Christ, who has trusted Christ, who has believed in Christ as their salvation, as their hope, as their peace through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Verse 17 says, He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Christ came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. That word preach literally means to bring or announce good news. And in the New Testament, it's almost always used to proclaiming the gospel. Christ came. Remember, at the beginning of Christ's ministry on earth, he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And he came and preached peace. He came and, and, and if we were going to be specific here, it'd say he came and evangelized Peace. He came and preached peace, the gospel of Christ. And the only thing that can bring peace is the gospel. The only thing that can bring peace is Christ, because he is our peace. And so he preached peace to those who were far off, the the Gentiles. And he he, he preached peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him, verse 18 says, we both have access in one spirit to the father for through him. You notice all throughout this, all throughout this book so far, it's in him and through him and by him and in him and through him and by him. It's all Christ. Anything that we have and hope in is because of Christ. It's just over and over this this beautiful song of the glory of Christ throughout the book of Ephesians. It's in Him. It's because of Him. It's by Him. It's for Him. It's all Him. And so it says that through Him, we both have access in one spirit. We have access to the Father. We've been reconciled. We're no longer enemies. We can come to God Just imagine and celebrate that for a minute. We can come to God through Christ. We can come to God. How do Jews have access to God, Paul says here? Through Christ. How do Gentiles have access to God? Through Christ. John 10, verse 9 says, Jesus is talking. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the peace. And so whether Jew or Greek or whatever, as we talked about last week, it's all and only possible to be reconciled to God through Christ. And that's what Paul says here again. Through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. We have access to God in one spirit. That's His Holy Spirit to the Father. Through Jesus shedding His blood in a sacrificial death and by faith in Him, we have union in His Holy Spirit and have access to the Heavenly Father. It's that picture again of the working of the Trinity, all parts of the Trinity at work in our salvation and at work in our lives. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is at work to draw us continually to God. So it says now those who are alienated and separated and excluded and hopeless can come to God as their own Father. In fact, Romans 8, verses 15 through 17. Verses six and seven says, and because you are sons, sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Paul's saying through Christ, because of Christ. That there's there's one new man, whether you're Jew, Gentile through Christ, we come to the father through Christ, united in his spirit. This message of, of peace, of reconciliation. Just in closing, I want to I think through that again. Verse, verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. He came and through his death brought peace. He, he revealed or reconciled us to God. He preached peace to us. And, and, and now in the same way, we're called to do the same. Christ came and preached peace to those who are far and peace to those who are near. And he reconciled us through his body to his father. Reconciled us to God. And we're called to do the same. Second Corinthians. Let me just read a couple verses there. Chapter 5. Verses 18 through 21 says all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled us to himself through his son. That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of. Of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This message of reconciliation, Christ came and preached it to us, to our hearts, made us alive. And now we're called to do the same. And so two things, just really quick in closing. Number one, let me encourage you as as an ambassador of Christ. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we've been given this ministry, a message of reconciliation. And we're ambassadors for Christ. As an ambassador for Christ, number one, preach to yourself. Preach this to yourself. How often did I get into these routines and 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 seasons where, where I'm not remembering that I've been made alive in Christ. I'm not remembering everything we talked about from chapter one, verses three through fourteen. And how we went through that and, and said this is this is us if we're in Christ. We've been we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places because of Christ. We need to preach it to ourselves. And remember that, that, yes, we were alienated, but if we're in Christ, we have been reconciled. We've been made friends with God. And secondly, we ought to be preaching it to others. We've been given this message of reconciliation. If it's the joy that it is ought to be, let me rephrase that, if it's the joy that it really is, it's the greatest joy. News ever. It is the greatest joy ever that we were separated from God. We were alienated from God, and through Christ, He has reconciled us, brought us back to Himself. There's no greater news than that. And we ought to preach it, we ought to tell it, we ought to proclaim it, we ought to be ambassadors of this message of peace. Those who are far off, those who are alienated, those who are separated, those who are without hope, those who are without God can be friends with Him through Christ, can be friends with Him through Christ, can be forgiven, can be made right. So we ought to be preaching it to others as ambassadors. I'm going to pray and, and I want to challenge you, as Paul says in this passage. And make an appeal to you if, if, if you have never, ever given your life to Christ. If you never surrendered to Him. If you never trusted Him and what He did on the cross to pay for sins. And I want to I urge you and, and, and encourage you today to trust Him. There's nothing you or I could do to earn our way to heaven. Christ has done it all. He is all. He accomplished it all on the cross. So while we're praying, I would encourage you even just before him to seek him and and surrender to him. And then come find me right after the service. I'd love to pray with you and talk to you. But for those of us in Christ, again, I want to encourage you to to preach to yourself and, and evaluate where am I holding this message of reconciliation? Where am I holding this hope? Where am I holding in my heart? This truth that Christ is my peace, that He's brought me back to the Father. What am I doing with that? Am I rejoicing in hope and 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 living this life of joy in response of what he's of what he's done? Or or have I just glossed over this amazing, amazing, joy filled truth that the Gentiles Acts tells us celebrate it over? If we're not rejoicing over it, if we're not living it, if we're not loving it if we're not embracing it if we're not we're not believing it for our own life then my challenge for you is is just before the lord now even as i pray just before the lord just confess that and remember remember that christ is all and if you're in christ you're made new you're a new creation and that you've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places you've been forgiven you've been made right you were separated and now you're friends so I'm going to pray for all of us and encourage you, if, if, if you need to pray, if you need to just, you and the Lord, just pray or confess or whatever it is, then do that, do that. And then we're going to sing. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy, Lord. And God, this, this message of reconciliation that you have preached to our hearts, Lord. Think back through this, this whole chapter your word tells us we were dead in our sins and trespasses but that you made us alive in Christ for those who have trusted you who have believed in you who have repented of their sins who have begun this relationship with you Lord we're friends we have access to the father that is mind blowing to me Lord To think that you would love us that much. And so I pray for each one of us, Lord. I pray for our hearts. I pray that that we would seek the glorifying response to the truth of the gospel. That Jesus, you are our peace. That you have come and lived a perfect life. That you gave your life and through your flesh you broke down the dividing wall of hostility that you killed hostility between God and men for those that are in you. Lord, that we would respond rightly to that, joyfully to that, consumed by that, that our lives would be directed by the gospel, not by our own desires, but by this message of reconciliation, by this hope, by this Prince of Peace who has come. We love you, Jesus. We praise you for all that you have done on our behalf. You are our righteousness. You bore the wrath of God for us. And we praise you for that. Amen.